Welcome to episode 103 of the MR Running Pains podcast. My name is Aaron Saft, and I am hosting today Jeff Winchester and Jeremy Reynolds of the Ultra Running Guys. These guys do a great podcast, have some really special guests, and really just try to make our community just a little bit more cohesive. I really enjoy um, their attitude about the sport. They uh, they put on two races uh, and and created some really you know uh, intriguing formats. So fresh breath air to our sport. Uh, this conversation, you know, we talk a little bit about their races and their podcast, uh, but we also talk about our faults. Well, you know, mistakes that we have made as ultra runners in ultras and in training, um, and you know, w- recognizing those facts. How can we go forward without making the same mistakes? How can we be better prepared? How can we better be better problem solvers while in a race or in a long run. So uh, this conversation was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed these two, and I hope you do as well. All right. I got the ultra running guys here with me, Jeremy and Jeff. And how are you two this evening? We are doing fantastic. This is Jeremy. I'm Jeff. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for asking and thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to this conversation. Um, I'm a little bit more familiar with Jeff. So um, Jeremy, why don't we start with, with you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. So Jeremy Reynolds live uh, Leland, North Carolina, and lucky enough to be one of the ultra running guys with Jeff. Um, that's really kind of our current claim to fame. <laughs> but <laughs> we have so many. I know. Uh, but but just quick background on me. Grew up in Southern California. Uh, did not run. Wanted nothing to do with running. Ended up joining the military. Still wanted nothing to do with running. Um, but that led me to my beautiful wife and brought me out to the East Coast. And uh, after a corporate job for a couple of years, I found myself one day saying, why is my stomach hanging over the seatbelt? That's never happened to me before. <laughs> um, and I'd always been, been an active guy, but so I kind of just made a commitment to get back healthy and was in a, actually a morning men's group with Jeff and showed up one morning and said, Hey, I'm going to do a body transformation challenge. Who's interested Jeff was, uh, I'm sure he regrets it now, but raised his hand and said, I'm in. <laughs> it was the worst decision of my life. <laughs> um, but fast forward. So we, I mean, we were in the gym a lot. Fast forward, we jumped into some Spartan races. I realized really quick that the gym suited me well, but uh, not having any kind of running background or cardio ability really held me back. And so got interested in running uh, from that perspective. And Jeff was kind of already there and decided to jump into a training plan with him and kind of never looked back once I realized I got, you know, kind of bit by the running bug and, uh, I have somewhat of an addictive personality. So (laughs) it was a good, it was a good match to get into ultra running. And we started the ultra running guys and here we are. And about what year was that when you started uh, getting into running? So 2015 is when I did my first marathon. It's probably when I got serious about it. Yeah. So I think, end of 2015 because you ran it in december so Mm -hmm. end of 2015 i did my first marathon beginning of 2016 and uh he actually done already done a 50k but then we did our first 50 miler together in 2016 so that was kind of the beginning of the road to where we are now all right and we'll talk about ultra running guys in in just a minute but we'll give uh we'll give jeff his his time in the sun here so jeff why don't you uh tell us about you sir um, okay. I, I don't want to repeat anything you just said, obviously, but, um, so I'm 49 years old. I got started running then I was 39 and it was something that I started because it's just a lot of work, um, stress that I was dealing with and some health issues. And so for me, it was a, 
something to kind of just get better heart healthy. And so I started doing that. And um, like I said, we started doing Spartans together, which was kind of cool. Um, and that kind of helped. And we evolved into more of doing the ultras and stuff. But um, I've never been an athlete, you know, before that I didn't do any kind of things in high school. I didn't do any kind of um, fitness exercises. So when he asked me to be a part of this body transformation thing, I've always had something hanging over my seatbelt. And so it was one of those things that I was fully used to. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I've lived, um, we live in Wilmington, North Carolina, or right outside of Wilmington, in a little area called Leland. And I've been here about 20 years. And I don't know what else to say. Nice. We have a good time. We do have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's talk about the, uh, the ultra running guys. Uh, where, how did that come about? And um, what does that all entail? Because I know it's, it's more than a podcast. How did it come about? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. We, we've talked a lot over the years about different things that we were interested in. And we, we found this commonality between us that we really are attracted to um, things that challenge you to, to kind of de- that you have to demonstrate or kind of develop your grit, right? And determination and kind of this, this draw of, of pushing yourself to things that you've never done before. And so you know, I got involved in running. He started mo- moving into running as well. And, and then we moved into ultras, like I said, in 2016. And then the ultra running guys themselves evolved because we're like, we really like doing ultras a lot. We really like talking about it. We really like talking to other people about it. Um, it's a smaller community. There's not a lot of people who do it, particularly in Eastern North Carolina, where we live. Uh, we're not in the mountains. We're in the flatlands. And so we, we don't have a large, um, we don't have a large running community other than a bunch of road runners. Right. And so uh, we don't really have um, many people that do ultras around it, but we found a community of people that we really, really liked and we enjoyed being around. And so for us, we sat down one day and said, you know, if we want to do something in the area of ultra running that we like and with other people, what are some things that we hold true and that we value? One of the things we identified is we value being authentic um, in who we are as people. We value and what we are drawn to in the ultra running community is the authenticity of the people. Like everybody's just so real. Um, you're very welcome. It's different than if you're doing a 5K and 10K, nothing against those types of runs and races. But when you're in a road racing environment versus a, a ultra running environment, the community is much more um I'm going to say welcoming, not that they don't like each other in road running, don't get that wrong, right? But they they understand that we're all here going to challenge ourselves doing something incredibly difficult that's going to push us beyond what we can, can think we can do, maybe for most people. And we're going to kind of suffer together. And we're, we're drawn to that. Um, so we like that. We like the idea of stories. Um, and we think everybody um, has a story that is um, that, that has value. And we want to help people share that story. So we started doing podcasts. Um, with that intent in mind, but also because we realize there are a lot of people that um, beyond just the elites, that there are uh, people like us that are just average average people, right, that are doing this and have incredible stories of how we got into it um, and maybe things that we've learned from. And so we, we started developing some structure around it and I've probably rambled too much on it, but I mean, I don't know if there's anything you want to add, but we kind of just started putting it together with those things in mind. Yeah, to add real quick, I mean, it's been really fun. Right. And I think even from the beginning, we had no idea what direction we wanted to go. So a lot of it's been feeling it out. But part of the way the name came about, which is actually suited us really well, is because we didn't have many ultra runners in the community, people would go, oh, you, oh, you're that ultra running guy. You're the ultra running guys, you know, just because that was such a different thing. And so it was kind of a joke. And we ended up naming ourselves that. 
Um, and it's just turned out really well because obviously it's memorable. But, um, <laughs> you know, we went through a couple of things. Hey, do we write a blog? It really, it really was how do we connect to people? How do we share with people? And the first podcast, honestly, was like we stumbled across um, Steve, who was our, our first guest. And really just a story of his on Instagram struck me. He was running 100K to raise money uh, for, you know, the, the family of a college friend that had been killed while he was out riding his bike. And so he was using running for a cause. And we said, Hey, what if we do like a four or five minute? I mean, that was the plan a four or five minute discussion with this guy and try to do some content around it. And within a week we did the first one and, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And I think we just realized that this is something we really enjoy. And it's been a great way to reach way more of an audience than we could have before. So uh, it's been super rewarding. And then starting the races, Oh yeah, because we do races now too. Yeah, <laughs> so we're getting ready to put on our second race in April, uh, which is the Hydra. Our first race went really, really well in September. But everything that we do as the ultra running guys, like Jeff said, kind of our mission that we say is to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. So the podcast is built around that. How do we bring value to people so they can either get into it or uh, you know continue to improve, get that confidence same thing with the races mm -hmm. and a big part of our races, uh, our method is to trick people into showing up to an ultra running event that may not otherwise. And so they're designed really to, you know, get people to show up and then say, wow, look at what these other people are doing. Maybe I could do that. And so uh, that's kind of what's been driving us. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. We, um, <clears throat> we really do um, want to create those environments and stuff that that stand out for people we we have the two races we have the final count and we have the hydrate the two races we, we've kind of organized at this point and we describe them as as races unlike any of the people will have ever experienced before because the formats are unique the the layout and how we structure their events are are you different and unique for many people that is not a typical ultra that they're going to experience it's not a typical um, event and you don't have to be an ultra runner to participate in some of the um portions of these races that we have and so um the other thing just about us real quick is that we, I think we operate really well in our organization. If I call it, I hate calling it an organization because it sounds so weird, but in our grouping that we are as the ultra running guys, we function really well because we're so opposite of each other. <laughs> and it's a good thing. Like it's one of the things I, I love about Jeremy. It's the fact that he's so different from me and it, it keeps me balanced. It makes me insane. I make him insane. It's a good thing. Though, right? right. I think it's so like he, he has this, um, creative side of him. He, he can come up with cool ideas and stuff. And so it's some of those things that, you know, he'll come up with a new idea and I'm catching up. And so I'm more of a slow old person and I'm trying to like drag things down and kind of like slow him down and stuff at times. But it's one of the things I think we balance each other real well. I think we have, um, we have really good strengths that, um, kind of help us in podcasting and, um, running races and everything that we kind of have done the differences in our personality has allowed us to have a complement that has helped us in, in each of those areas. I would say. How's that for a 10 minute answer? That was, that was succinct. <laughs> 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 that was perfect. No, you I, can cut all that out. If you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was great. It, it sums up who you guys are and what you do. That's fantastic. I think that everybody should, you know, have just like you said, uh, their idea of, of what they're trying to do, you know? Um, and that's fantastic that, you know, your purpose is to, to get more people involved. I think that's tremendous. Um, you know, mine, it's, I just got too, too much at, you know, when I was 
growing in this sport, I just started taking on too much, having the running store and putting on events. I just, I kept taking more and more on, you know, I started a nonprofit and then I started a run club and then I started the hundred miler and it was just like, Oh my God, I just have too much. And like, you know, and it, when COVID hit, it was like, uh, you know, everything just like, it just was paused. And I was just mm-hmm. like, okay, it's, it's time to decide like, what is, you know, what is it that I really want to continue to do? And I really had to take a step back because I knew the store wasn't going to continue and wasn't going to go forward if, you know, if both my business partner and I stayed with it. So when I stepped away from the store, that was one piece. And then it just, you know, I kept unlayering and saying, okay, but here's where my core values are and here's how I want to move forward. So Um, you know, it's the only thing I would say is just like, don't try to expand too quickly or too, you know, too big. Cause it's like, you start getting all these, you know, when we say our plates full, I had like a smorgasbord of plates and I was just like trying to control and not let the plates fall off the table. Cause I just had too many going. So, you know, it's wonderful. And I, like, I think you guys are, are great with two races. That's fantastic. Um, Carl Messler said to me, you know, he's like, Aaron, like if I could give you one word of advice. And I probably should do it in his voice, but I'll, I'll <laughs> I won't, <laughs> I won't shame myself in doing that, but he's like, you know, just, you know, concentrate on, you know, one or two events, make them really good. And it sounds like that's what you guys have is, you know, two really good events. And, you know, I, like I said, I had way too many and hellbender, you know, my hundred miler that, that I work with the nonprofit that I created. Um, I stepped away from the nonprofit just so I could be my own entity and say, you know, this is my affiliation with the race. I am the RD. Um, that is my concentration. And like, you know, so it's, it's great. Like that. I can just say, here is my main focus. It's this hundred mile event. Um, so I'm putting all my energy into that. And then, you know, my full-time job being my coaching, which, you know, everything else that I do kind of supplements the coaching, my, you know, doing the podcast, the newsletter, they're all a part of, of coaching mm-hmm. and kind of getting that information out there and trying to help other runners, just like you guys are. I'm just trying to do it in a different way and share my knowledge. So um, I think that's tremendous. You know, always remember your mission and, and stick with it. So mm-hmm. um, you guys are. It, it gives <laughs> you permission right. to say no. Yes. It does. And, and that's the goal is to be able to, to be able to find a way to say no. And so we did sit down and kind of figure out what we were going to be able to have as our values and what, what's important to us. And if it falls outside of that scope, um, we've got to be okay saying no. And it's hard because we're making, making a lot of good relationships with a lot of cool people. And um, it's hard to tell them no sometimes because we really like them. Yeah. But, no, but to your, your point about not growing too quick, have you ever seen, you know, when there's like the kid that's wearing kind of like the harness and the parents hold them as they try to run off, like yep. Jeff's like the parent and I'm the kid in the harness, <laughs> but he keeps us, he keeps us on track where I'm not trying to hold us back. No, no that's not what I mean. You keep us on track. Oh, okay. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. But I, I completely agree with your point of, um, and, and I think it's one thing that we've done well is when I was thinking about where we are to where we, you know, have come, obviously we've grown a lot. Um, but I think it's just been organic and what makes sense for the next step versus, uh, cause our focus has been that, how do we stick to our values versus how do we grow as fast as possible? And I think it's served as well because we both have full-time jobs outside we do of this. and we both have kids and we both were, yeah, this isn't actually <laughs> paying our bills. <laughs> right. No, yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah. I, I enjoy the podcast. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, my primary, uh, you know, the primary reason I did the podcast was just so I would be better at my communication skills. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I, I, I said like to, on one of my team zooms, I have anxiety 
when I pick up a phone and make a phone call like that, mm-hmm. I get anxious, you know, and you know, when I'm, I'm more of an, an introvert, like my personality is very extroverted. I, like I'm, I try to be super friendly and everything, but on the inside, I'm kind of like, you know, cringing, <laughs> like, you know, it's, so this helps me a lot. It really does. It helps me communicate and, and, you know, be able to, um, to communicate my needs as well, because that's not something that I've ever been good at. And, you know, with the hundred miler, like, you know, the, one of my guys that helps me, he's like, you're like a bull in a China shop. Cause you just want to do everything. You just don't disseminate, you know, like try to like give people other jobs. And, and that's, you know, it's, it's all things that I'm trying to learn and, and, you know, get better at. And this was one of the platforms that's really helped me improve just as a person and learn in the process. You know, like I talk to you guys like you and I, I pick up things from you guys and, uh, you know, and any of my guests, um, it's, it's wonderful platform for, not only communication, but for sharing information. So I, I love this media for sure. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> and you guys have had some fantastic guests. Uh, you know, I saw Hillary Allen was a recent guest as well, right? Yeah, uh, she but, was great. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, um, I haven't had a chance so to much fun her. talking to her. She, oh my God, she was so much fun. She is. <laughs> she has a very bubbly personality, which is fantastic. Um, and she makes like a great a, guest because yeah, she is, yeah. she's, she's on like very easy podcast. to talk to. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she has one now too. Yes. The, uh, mm-hmm. the trail society. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's incredible that she has that much time on her hands because <laughs> every time I hear a podcast, she's, you know, she's like, Oh, good. Hillary Allen. <laughs> Hillary Allen. She's good. <laughs> really, really good. That's cool. Who has been your favorite guest thus far? And then we can finally get into the topic that we discussed. I don't have that's a, a loaded question. I have favorite moments. Yeah, we, I mean, so th- that's interesting because we were talking about that actually beforehand, not talking about favorite guests, but talking about um, just some podcast ideas. And we were discussing things that stand out to us. And there are stories that people have shared to us through the course of the podcast that like just mo- blow your minds and you, you kind of put yourself in that space with them. And you, you can't believe how uh, the experience that they had. And Sometimes they make you laugh. Sometimes they, they make you kind of like just be shocked. Like I can't believe you did this, right? But I don't have, personally, I don't have a favorite guest only because there are so many cool moments that many of them have given us. And, and we've come out of them with some really strong relationships, which to me has been invaluable. Um, but there's, you know, I, I, there is just stories that, um, that I, I laugh about. You know, there's a guest that it was early on that didn't get a lot of attention because he was early in our in our list of guests. And emotionally, I think I connected to him probably more than uh, a lot of our other guests. One because I related to his story of depression and everything, and so um, and kind of where he went with his dark side. It's like Derek. Remember? Derek. Yeah. So this guy, Derek West. I don't know. West. West. Derek yeah. West. Um, early on in our podcast, um, I think he was number ten, maybe or something. I don't remember the number, but earlier than that. Was it? Might, and might so, like four. but if his story, I was yeah, going to say, can, if you want to share it, we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, we can do that. Some of the stuff that he talked about and his experiences, we connected and he's, he's based out of the UK. So, all right, he's in London and everything. We don't, I don't, I've never met him, but um, he's just, he is a powerful human being. Um, and there's so much about him and how he has, how he has processed things that just stood out to me. And so, like I said, he was um, episode number seven, which was uh, our third guest, our third guest, because we did five episodes with our first guest. Um, and so we were really new at it and nobody knew who we were. And um, we probably didn't do him justice. But um, from an emotional standpoint, I, I think his story resonated with me personally, just because of my own struggles with depression and stuff historically. So, yeah, I think one of the things that we've been super um, lucky to be on point with 
is we recognize pretty early on that the big Hillary Allen type guests are awesome, right? Because there's so much to learn, but the person taking on their first 50 K and just trying to understand where they are and the process they're going through and the way people relate to that, um, especially if there's this extra story behind it, it has just led to some really good moments. And I think some of the guests that have resonated, you know, the most with our audience, um, you know, nobody should know them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and besides now that there's the, you know, this connection that happens, this network that's been built. Um, and so I, I mean, every episode, honestly, I love how we could probably go through each one and I would go, Oh yeah, remember we talked about this yep. or we heard this or, or I will always remember, you know, this mindset trick, like, um, you know, Michelle said, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just because it's hard, like, doesn't mean you can't do it. It doesn't mean, and it's something that to, doesn't mean you have to stop. Doesn't mean you have to stop. Derek um, said something else. Have I done all I can? And that'll stop you in your tracks because when you make a lot of excuses, when you ask yourself that and you have to be honest, it's like, well, okay, I really have not done all I can. You know, this game's not over. Um, and then you have, uh, let's see here, because I know people, Ray Berlinga. <laughs> and you got someone like Ray Berlinga, who is just one of the funniest people I've ever met. And he tells a story about uh, falling asleep in the <laughs> middle of a 48 hour race. And he literally falls through the bathroom door. He was and, sitting on the toilet. And bur- yeah, sitting on the toilet, falls through the door, breaks <laughs> his nose on the tile, oh, no. and is so worried about getting pulled that he cleans up the mess and tries to run as many miles as he can before the sun comes up and people realize what he's done to himself. Um, and the, hearing that story, I mean, you know, those are the kind of things that like, I don't know. So to, I don't think I have a favorite guest. I probably have favorite moments from each guest. That's probably a better way to say it. But. And the only other thing on the topic of our guest is <clears throat> what we have found is basically a lot of our guests have begun to meet outside of our show. Um, in areas like Philadelphia and Jersey and, and California stuff. And they've helped us connect some of their guests as well, right? But, but they're actually forming small pockets and they're seeing each other at races. And, you know, it's just fantastic when, they, when they're in a race and somebody like Michelle says so-and-so came up to them and, you know, she's a sell a race they didn't know her before, but they heard about her on a podcast or something, that kind of thing. And so it's been cool to kind of see some of those stories taking place. No, that is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is cool. Well, that's great. Yeah. Mine was easy because it was my episode with my wife. Uh, she hates doing anything like this, and it is totally way outside of her comfort zone, let alone mine. Um, but I convinced her to come on, and we talked about kids running. And you know, because both of our kids are are young, my son's now in in high school, and and you know, he's a runner. Um, much to his chagrin, he, he'd rather not be, but you know, he's he unfortunately got the genetics. Um, so <laughs> we talk about, you know, when kids should start running and stuff. And I can remember, like, I can remember where we were, we were, we were in New Hampshire on vacation at, um, her family's old lake house. Uh, we were downstairs. I can remember the whole setting. I can remember the whole conversation without even listening to the episode. It was just that time, you know, it, it just was special to me to have that moment and especially have it recorded, you know, so my kids can listen to it down the road and they can hear their parents talking. I thought that was like the coolest thing to me personally, because, you know, it's such a memento, um, you know, just having that moment with her. So that, that was my favorite. Um, That's awesome. That is very cool. I've had some really cool podcasts and, and, you know, as you guys have said, some very touching guests that have really Mm -hmm. 
you know, struck a chord with me. I mean, my last episode uh, was that with Zach Friedley. He's uh, an adaptive athlete, you know, blade runner. Um, and like, you know, as soon as he started talking about, he's putting on a race for adaptive athletes. I was like, I can do that. And I should do that. And like, I've already started putting things in my mind. How can I make this part of hellbender? Um, so, I mean, th there's guests that can just make an instant change in you. And that's, that's the coolest thing about this is, you know, hearing these, these folks talk about, you know, not only what they do, how they do it and how others can implement it. So, um, I, I totally agree with you that it's, you know, it, it's hard to nail down one guess, but mine was pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. uh, My wife would not be on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> never say never. No, I'm positive. <laughs> uh, um, so um, how many ultras do you guys have to your, your names? Um, Cause you know, we're going to talk about mistakes we've made. It will give people kind of a, a background to understand. And it could just be a ballpark. It doesn't have the exact number. I'm going to give you exact for me. Yeah. So this is another area where we talked about just how different we are. Right. And we're the same <laughs> way in our, our approach uh, to running. And I tend to have uh, a couple big races a year that I target. Um, and you'll see Jeff is if he could, I think he, I mean, now that you, now that you're coaching him, right. You probably know, <laughs> but uh, if he can run an ultra a month, <laughs> God, that would be ideal. Wouldn't you it? know, that's, that's the preference. I, I think if I remember I've done the JFK twice, I've attempted 300s, finished two of them. These are mine. <laughs> um, and I've done 100K and then some of the backyards. Those are, mm -hmm. uh, I think, three backyards. And those are probably my favorite overall, even though in the middle of them, they're probably <laughs> the most testing. And how far did you go on your longest backyard? It's so my longest backyard. I went 32 hours, which is 133 miles. Nice. Um, and so really hoping to best that this year. At the Capitol backyard, but we'll see. Got a lot of work to put in. What place did you get? Well, I, I was in the top eleven, right? About that. And if you'd gone one more lap, you'd have been like number seven. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't have pulled the plug. In other words, if I would have asked myself, <laughs> "Have I done all I can?" And, I, and then I would have got another lap, and I think I would have instantly been in the top eight. Yeah, you were because I remember when you told me, and then the next lap went through, and I was like, "Dang it! Look at all those people dropped off that Because <laughs> everybody wanted to be in the top ten, apparently. Like, and so he was number 11 that that group i think went for six hours all together and then three of us dropped on the same one we just didn't start and i was like oh i could have all, all i had to do is walk across the lawn shoulda coulda would right shoulda coulda woulda <laughs> good lesson though so i've never done a last man um it's one of those things i'm trying to avoid like the plague um, <laughs> though i think i should do the southern ultra last man with them last next year just to frustrate them jokes i would never do that um i've done 200 milers i think Yes, I've done three. Well, I've attempted one, two others. I've attempted four. I've completed two. Um, I've done 1150 Ks, 250 milers, and a few marathons. Right on. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's it. But I'd like to do more. Yeah. And yeah, so I've got a few coming up. Right on. I have no idea how many ultras I've done because most of mine aren't even on ultra signups. You know, like I did a. Last year, I, I did a 50 miler just in the park here as prep for Umstead, you know, so I do like, like next weekend, I'm doing a 50k just here in Western North Carolina. That's not a, you know, it's just, I'm going out there to run. So it's, I've right. done so many ultras, but I have no idea, like, you know, what the official count is as for races. A lot of my races aren't even on ultra sign up. I started in 2000 eight with ultras and like you know back then like ultra signup was really small and it didn't have mm -hmm. everything and you had to like submit like a whole spreadsheet and i was just like 
I, I didn't really care. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, well, for your audience listening, right? For your audience listening, yep. you have on ultra sign up about 55 or 56 races currently listed there, just so you know. <laughs> and some of them are not ultras, but yeah, it's, you know, I've done quite, quite a few. I think I have six hundreds to my name and I probably attempted nine. I think I have three DNFs in the hundred mile category. So, um, yeah, but you, you have an impressive resume. So it's, it's very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. you. You've done, you've done well. I won't, I won't rattle off everything that you've done, but if you'd like me to, I can hit some of your highlights. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it though. Oh man. So, you know, what we, we want going to get into now is our, our main discussion um, and we were going to talk about mistakes that we've made during these, these ultras. Um, and so, uh, if, uh, you know, Jeremy, do you want to start us off with, uh, with one that you've made and we can kind of talk about it and kind of things <clears throat> that you think you could have done better. And, you know, if, if, uh, Jeff and I have something we can add in, we'll, uh, we'll certainly. Oh, I'm sure I can critique. Yeah. So, and, and my first two are kind of connected, but I'll stick with the first one and then we'll layer it in. How about that? Um, and really, so to kind of set the scene, this was the, which actually is probably my, one of my best performances for sure. So the 2019 uh, Yeti 100, which if anybody, if you're not familiar, it's a rails to trail. It's a very fast course in terms of it's only 3000 feet of gain. Um, and so even though yeah, I think the first 18 miles are a downhill, like, two percent or three percent grade something like that but you can really fly for the 18 mile first 18 miles and kind of wreck yourself um that said it, the race is held in september and uh it got warm that day uh mid 80s and bottom line is i showed up without even though i had my nutrition plan and hydration plan for the day i showed up without any kind of planning of coming into the race hydrated um, and so we can kind of go into it with step number two, but I ended up running out of fluid twice. I got really hot, uh, in the middle of it. And so when I downgraded from a pack to bottles, uh, bottles probably weren't big enough. And so I ran out of fluid twice. Um, but you know, the big realization was I probably would have been much better off if I would have started in a better hydrated state. Um, and even though the, the race ended up going really well from a hydration standpoint, um, I was pretty far off the rails and uh, ended up, I think, you know, the last time I remember peeing and not that anybody cares, but I, I literally probably pee every 10 minutes in a race. I don't know why <laughs> my wife wants me to have it checked out, but I, I, I probably didn't pee after like two in the afternoon and finish the race, you know, close to two in the morning and uh, that, that should have been a, a huge, huge sign for me. Um, so yeah, I don't know if there's discussion to be had about that, but yeah, no, so, uh, uh, do you guys listen to, um, Jason Coop's podcast, the Coopcast? I have a few um, times for okay. sure. Um, recently he had on a guest, um, he met her at the running event in, uh, in Austin, Texas. She is coming out with a company. Um, I believe it's called Nix N I X. And it's, it's the first company that's going to have a, a wearable technology that's going to let you know what your hydration needs are. Mm. So you can wear it. It's, it's, you know, it, it's going to have, I think it's going to have an app and it will tell you, you know, you need this much 
not only fluids, but, you know, hopefully an electrolyte balance. Um, so as the day heats up, you know, obviously your needs change. It's going to be able to tell you that change. And I think she said the, the battery life is it's supposed to last like 30 something hours. So like the, the unit that you wear should last 30 something. So it, it should last the majority of an ultra. Um, and that's actually who they're shooting for um, is the ultra, you know, including the ultra crowd. This is like the first really wearable, like um, that is not taking um, like the, the uh the ph if you will of the sweat like gatorade has like a patch you can wear and it gives you a rough estimate as to what replenishment you need but again it's, it's working off the ph so we're not getting true you know uh, dehydration symptoms so it's not going to give you a, like the the full workup whereas this one is going to be more entailed um i think the units become available in march you can pre-order right now is is as i understood it um, I will try to remember to, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, if anybody is interested in listening to that Coopcast episode, um, but that, you know, this could remedy, you know, that situation ahead of time as well, because, you know, you can wear it ahead of time and see where you are in your hydration status prior to your race. Um, the day before, you know, the morning of, you can kind of check in and then along the route, especially as it gets hot, you know, you can say, okay, this is, especially when you get to your crew, you're like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm really behind on, on fluids. I really need to carry a little bit more right now. So I think in planning, this will be a really useful device. Now, I don't know what the expense is. I haven't looked into the, the website or anything like that. She has a website up and everything. So, um, but, um, you know, it's, it's something I'm interested. I, I'll probably purchase it so that I know what it is, what it, you know, so I can explain to my athletes. Cause I think it's going to be an asset, you know, I think it's going to be a game changer for, especially for ultra running, um, especially in hot weather races, like you dealt with at Yeti. That would have been super helpful. And for the record, I mean, after that kind of those two periods where I, I mean, and, and I ran out for about two miles, it's not like I was out there for an hour <laughs> without fluid. Um, but I took in so much fluid after that. And it, I just really never caught up. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely one of those things where if I would have had something maybe that told me you need to stop pushing mm -hmm. until you get caught up. Mm -hmm. Um, because even my wife was like, I don't, I don't know how you got dehydrated because you drink, you know, you, you took in so much fluid and uh, blood work and everything showed that my salts and everything were just fine, but I, I was just so depleted in terms of fluid. So, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, sweat tests, can only do so much because when you do a sweat test, it's at a certain temperature and the temperature fluctuations within a race are so great. It's hard to determine what your actual, you know, so you would have to know, like, you know, uh, mm -hmm. from, you know, uh, start time was probably what, like maybe 55 degrees. At yeah, Yeti. Probably, probably right at that. Something like that. It's high, cold, high, high forties, low fifties. Yeah. And then, and then your temperature probably went up to what? 80. Yeah, I think it was like 85. It was 85. Hot. And, That's yeah. a huge temperature swing. I mean, you're, we're talking four it degrees was. here. So, you, I mean, even if you did five temperature gradients, you know, five degree gradients, that's eight different temperatures that you ran through. That's eight different sweat tests. So, I mean, you know, like a wearable like this, I, of course I have no affiliation with this device, but I mean, I'm thinking, you know, this is, this is going to be a game changer for, you know, for, for us, you know, as runners, cause we will, we'll know that answer, you know, this is something that's, and, and I'm so glad that the technology is finally, you know, coming around. I, it's, it's probably, I wouldn't say in its infancy because the infancy would probably be those pH, you know, patches. So it's a little bit beyond its infancy, but um, I see you guys smiling. It must've been a, a family member walking by. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think Nick's, um, 
Yeah, it um, sounds super fascinating. I'm gonna look into it for sure. Did you want to get? Did into you want to tell them what you ended up doing after that? Well, did you, I didn't know if we were going around and coming back. No, you, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Let's, how did I mean, you? The yeah, end result you? of that. Yeah. So, um, so I'll go on to number two because it plays into it's it. connected. Sure. Yeah, it's connected. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, for everybody that's listening, one, when you get dehydrated, it's harder on your kidneys, right? Your kidneys use fluid to process. And especially in something like a pretty flat, fast race where you can have that kind of repetitive, it's already, you're, you're probably more likely to have some muscle breakdown. Um, and the heat helps with that as well. One thing you never want to do that I had read about actually in Coop's book and then conveniently forgot was in the middle of all this, uh, I popped some Advil, which is an, an NSAID. And for anybody listening, any kind of NSAID, Advil, uh, ibuprofen, Aleve, those kind of things, they process through your kidneys as well. And so the problem I had is now I was fluid depleted. Uh, I was hot and I was doing a hundred mile race. So I had significant muscle breakdown. And then I threw in something that gummed up my kidneys completely, which is what, um, you know, why it's highly recommended that you stay away from anything like Advil ibuprofen. Um, and so long story short is even though the race went phenomenal, I beat my goal. Uh, I pushed really hard. I ended up, uh, I guess 36 hours later ish, um, in the hospital with with rhabdomyolysis and, and complete kidney shutdown. And, um, yeah, it was interesting. I was in the hospital for four or five days and they had to pump me, uh, you know, just full of fluids, got to take an ambulance ride because the emergency room would not actually admit me because they didn't have a dialysis unit. That's how, um, you know, that's how bad the kidneys were. So, um, one, <laughs> stay hydrated. And then two, make sure you stay away from any kind of incense. And I've seen, I mean, I think it's pretty common. I think there's a lot of people out there popping Advil. Um, something like Tylenol is okay because it processes through your liver versus your kidneys and your kidneys are working overtime in ultra. So um, if nobody's ever heard that, please take it seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and I think Nick's uh, will also help on the other side of things too, because the opposite side of the spectrum is, you know, hyponatremia, which is too much hydration, you know, and I had an athlete that unfortunately suffered hyponatremia in Western States, um, pulled at mile 94, um, at Western States because of hyponatremia, uh, you know, and, and no, it just, you know, it's, it's so hot there. You think that you constantly need to be drinking and, and taking on fluids, um, and, and taking more salts and, and all of these things just throw things off balance. So, you know, it, there is times where we have to throw caution and say, Hey, you know, maybe you're doing too much too. So know the symptoms, especially in an ultra of what's, what's too much. Um, so be careful on both sides of the spectrum. You know, it's tough to find that balance. And that, again, that's why I think something, you know, that can kind of tell us what, what we're looking for in these hot weather races, especially, um, would be a, a real you know, great safety for us, but thank you for sharing that story, Jeremy. Um, Welcome. I don't recommend it. Thanks for not dying. <laughs> yeah. It was a really ruined ultra running there's guys. A, I had to take the S off. There's a few people <laughs> that were convinced I was going to not my mom being one. Everybody else was just worried about my kidneys, but 
it's a it's a it's a scary i i, I got hit by a car and they thought i ruptured my spleen so they thought I, I might be on my way out like i may not make it to the imaging so you know my family just came to visit uh you know i was down in raleigh uh i think uh i think i was just finishing up my master's degree and you know here i am on this bed and everybody's coming in how, how you doing chip <laughs> you know and i'm just like <laughs> yeah it's, it's a scary moment when you're you know you're realizing your mortality so but uh you know thankfully just like you <laughs> uh, it was it was not the case so um but um jeff do you want to share uh one of yours here not really okay do it oh, okay sorry <laughs> yeah um i will do probably the my um the, the one that um it's simple that I learned so much from it. Um, so again, I told you at the beginning, I've only been running since I was 39, been running for 10 years, wasn't an athlete. I didn't do high school track or cross country, that kind of stuff. So the idea of, of knowing any of the, the tricks that a lot of runners know is something that I, I didn't know. And so I've learned a lot because I make a lot of stupid mistakes along the way. And so um, <clears throat> the Umstead 100, um, and the one I finished in, I think it was 2019, we, um, the Umstead 100, for those that aren't familiar with it, it's, a, um, it's in Raleigh. It is a, um, on a bridle roads. And so basically it's like fire roads that are packed with, with gravel on the inside. So they're pretty hard packed roads. Um, it is 8,000 feet of elevation, uh, which for somebody who lives on the East Coast of North Carolina, there's no hills here. And so that for, for me is a lot of elevation. And it's not like a single climb with, um, it's not a few climbs with some descent. It's a lot of rolling hills. Is really the best way of describing that course where you go up you go down you go up you go down um like a like a like a spine um on a back really and so <clears throat> one of the things that happened probably mile 62 um jeremy was pacing me at the time he was asking how i was doing everything i said my feet are bothering me a little bit you know not a little bit they're bothering me a lot and he said well let's maybe get them taken care of we go to the aid station so we get to the aid station and you know uh, my feet are just killing me but the front of my all of my toes like the tips of all of my toes were just dying and um i wasn't sure what to do about it i just knew that every time i was taking a step going downhill i didn't know how i was going to solve the going the downhills because i didn't have poles and do you really need poles at umstead at this point maybe but you know i don't, it's not that kind of hill right but <clears throat> every descent it was killing my feet and so we got to the aid station told them i was having problems with my feet i had a few blisters on, on like you know made my ankle and stuff but but I said, my toes are really hurting me the worst. I don't know what to do about it. And so the aid station volunteer was like, let me see your shoes. And so he showed, so I showed my shoes, which was kind of weird, but um, he said, do you know how to tie your shoes? And I was like, um, you know, what do you mean? He said, well, you can tie them differently. He kind of taught me that you can use what's called the runner's loop or the heel lock. Um, and the reason that's, um, and for those listening, you know, check it out online. If you're not sure what that, what that type of tying is but it's really intended to kind of cinch the shoe at, at the ankle so that your foot doesn't slide. And for most ultra runners, particularly those who are new, we're often told that your feet are gonna swell in an ultra, so you need to buy shoes that are a little bit bigger. Well, if you're always going up and down a hill and you're having your foot sliding in it, then you're just beating up your pigs the entire time. And it's like insane. And um, so I don't buy shoes that are much bigger than my feet anymore. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. I just get shoes that fit my feet and I tie them at, at the ankles like you're supposed to. Um, and I use this runner's loop that prevents my feet from sliding and hitting the tips of hitting the tips of my toes against my shoes and beating them up and battering them the whole time. 
Um, if uh, one more thing on tying shoes that I learned through this, um, not at that race, but in just my evolution of learning how to tie my shoes as a 49 year old was that um, you can use this heel lock or the runner's loop and tie it tightly around your ankle, but you can leave it loose enough on the um, tongue of your shoe to where you don't develop extensor tendonitis, which I've had before as well. And so if you have soreness on the top of your, your feet a lot because your, your shoes are tied too tight on top, then you can loosen up the lace on the top, do the runner's you know, loop at the top and cinch them down and you're good to go. I also have a, a YouTube video of how to um, lace the top of the shoe and skip a space so mm -hmm. that there's no pressure on, on that um, extensor tendon. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a, you know, there's plenty of different lacing tricks. Um, there's even a trick to pull it off the big toe. So if you have mm -hmm. a big toe that always turns black and blue, there's actually a lacing trick um, that you can do and it just pulls the material back and holds the material a little bit higher. So you get a little more volume. So you don't touch the big toe. There's so many tricks out there. Um, New Balance, and if I can find it, uh, again, I'll put it in the show notes, but New Balance, uh, um, actually, they have had some really good um, um, demonstrations of how to do all these different ones. So I'll see if I can find that New Balance lacing tricks um, and put it in the show notes because it's super helpful. But I think, you know, just on that, just to close it out, I think it's sure. important if, if, um, if runners could just describe what their feet are doing. If their feet are hurting them, they're having blister problems and all this kind of stuff. You can change the way you tie your shoes and you can prevent a lot of those problems. Like I don't have blisters anymore. Um, I still get a sore toe every now and then because one of my toes is a little bit longer than the others because it's a stupid toe. But beside the point, you know, there's a lot of things you can do in just in how you tie your shoes that can prevent a lot of common foot problems that we have. Agreed. Anything you want to add there, Jeremy? Uh, witnessing it firsthand, I mean, it made a huge impact. So that was at mile 75, 75. when they when they did that retie. Um, and I think he went in going, I don't know how I'm going to do the next 25 miles. I mean, he was in a shuffle. And I'm not saying going out was easy. <laughs> but in terms, I think it took the focus off the feet. Um, and so, yeah. And, and I've been super lucky that I haven't really had feet problems and I don't tie my shoes that way. And, um, you know, again, I, I've been lucky, but to see it happen mm -hmm. and that guy, and I think I even had a little bit of on video when he just took his shoes off and went to town and put them back on. Um, so yeah, I'm I a, love him. I'm a believer. Yeah. That guy, <laughs> he saved my race. He did. He really saved my race, but just by teaching me how to tie my shoes. Uh, so that's awesome. <laughs> That is great. Um, all right. I will pick one of mine here. Um, and I, I will start by prefacing by saying I am uh, a minimalist by habit in racing because of where I come from in my background. Um, you know, I was, I was a track and cross country runner. So my running was always very minimalistic. I didn't carry a lot. You know, when, when we trained through college, we didn't carry water bottles, you know, like it, we, we trained in college at Umstead, you know, and if it got hot, we just looked for one of those water fountains or, you know, it, there was, there was no carrying stuff. So when I got out of college, I raced the marathon and, you know, I would stop in a fire station and just hit a water fountain, you know, maybe carry a few gels if I was doing a super long run or something, but again, no pack. So when I got into ultra running, you know, I, I really had to break this habit and it's, but it's caused problems throughout my you know running career 
because I try to get away with as little as possible, you know, carry as light as possible. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's been great learning lessons and I wish that I did learn from them <laughs> because I've, I've made the same mistake again and again. But, um, you know, one thing that I, I have done in, and this goes because, you know, I relied on fire stations and, and places to get water is I rely on the aid stations for my needs. And, you know, whereas, um, you know, if I could put a drop bag or, you know, or have my crew have something specific for me and just carry more, you know, I, I probably would have been in better situations. Um, you know, I, I go back to thinking about, um, old dominion last year. Um, it was a super hot day, right? Um, I carried the, uh, what's now the, uh, ultra spire Basham, which carries two of their small flasks. <laughs> and that's what I had on me, you know, I was like, I don't want to be hot, you know, and I, two bottles, but between aid stations, uh, just like Jeremy was saying, it was just too far in between. And I couldn't carry enough on me to, you know, meet my hydration needs, nor meet my caloric demands. So I needed a, a bigger pack, but because I wanted to just be lighter and not as hot, I went more minimal. Um, and then I tried to rely on the aid stations because when I, you know, I read the, the, the runner's manual and I was like, well, surely they're not going to be, you know, this minimal <laughs> and they were, <laughs> they were very minimal, you know, they, they really did not have a lot. So, um, you know, and it was the same thing at UTMB. I was like, you know, like I looked at the, the tables and I was just like, I really don't want salami and I really don't want cheese right now, <laughs> you know? And I like, I just didn't carry enough on me and not having the, you know, neither the capacity because my pack wasn't big enough nor the, you know, the availability of that stuff. I really, I, you know, my race has suffered um, both in UTMB and, you know, uh, and in old dominion. And I can think of <laughs> others where it went, you know, South just because of, of that fact as well. I just, um, you know, I, I should have been better prepared on my own, you know, having better preparation. So looking ahead to something like Bigfoot 200, uh, you know, I like I've got a bigger volume uh, pack that's going to carry plenty more calories. I've you know, I'm, I'm looking at more caloric dense foods, you know, so I'm, I'm doing more preparations uh, in, you know, to get ahead of that, because you know, knowing that for 200 miles, I, there's no way that I'm going to be able to meet my caloric needs. I mean, in a hundred miler, you go caloric deficit anyway. So in 200 miles, you know, I'm, I'm trying to minimize the, the potentials for, for failure. And the, like my newsletter just came out today and I talk about some of this stuff in there, like, you know, thinking ahead to these, these problematic situations, whether it be, you know, even in a, a shorter race um, to a very long race, how can you get ahead of these situations? what are potentials that can, you know, solve, you know, these things ahead of time. So you don't put yourself into a problematic situation. Um, so, you know, just being okay with carrying a little bit more is a lot better than, you know, hoping to get by <laughs> and unfortunately failing because you did not. Sure. I, I'm the complete opposite. I've packed an entire pantry with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't rely on the aid stations very much at all. I, I tend to, pack a lot of junk on me, but I'm out there a lot longer than you, you people who are fast. So I'm going to be um, standing around eating a lot more. <laughs> it's awesome. But I do pack a lot more because I don't rely on aid stations if I can help it at all. How about you, Jeremy? Um, I've gone through a mix of things, um, but yeah, I, 
I'm the same way. I may graze at aid stations, but I, t- I, I rarely rely on them. Mm-hmm. Um, if they've got something I want to kind of nibble on or grab, I'll do it for some extra calories. But uh, normally it is, um, I'm a big liquid, li- no, liquid calories work really well for me. <laughs> now, when I paced Jeff at Umstead, they had cookies at every aid station. I probably, I no joke, I probably ate 30 cookies while I was facing him. I didn't eat a single cookie. All I do is walk around and he's eating cookies while I'm trying. I, to I wasn't them. racing. I was pacing. So it was way different. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I tend to uh, focus on liquid calories just because I want the slow drip of calories or a constant drip, I should say. Um, and then I'll use a variety of kind of whatever sounds mm-hmm. good. And my mm-hmm. wife always jokes because everything I think I'm going to want before the race is not what I want during the race. And so I just kind of, you know how that goes. Yes. So I always come home with a bunch of something (laughs) and we run out too early of something else that I didn't think I was going to want. (laughs) I I think, um, hard rock last year was probably my best experience because I had, you know, my crew was so good about saying, okay, you know, here's what you've been managing, you know, averaging, you know, time, on feet for, you know, distances because, you know, elevation change is just crazy and it could take you whatever, especially with the altitude you're at, but they, you know, they say we're, we're estimating that you're going to take this much time between here until you see us the next time. Mm -hmm. So we want you to carry this much fluid and this much food. And, you know, they, they just kind of stuff my pack and, you know, then my, my pacers were like, you know, it's, it's time to eat, you know, have you drank? They were just constantly reminding me because at that point I was so brain dead, you know, like I was like, it really, it's time already, <laughs> you know, like, cause it just, you know, I, my mind was just on moving forward and they were the ones that were like, you know, all right, Aaron, you know, it's time. They had like alarms on their watches, like going off, like it's, it's time, <laughs> you know, drink, <laughs> eat it. So that was the most helpful to me. Um, and I think in the future, if I didn't have a crew, I would try to make some kind of timetable to estimate that kind of stuff so that I could manage my, my fluids and hydration and gear better in that situation. Makes sense. We've been pretty spoiled overall with, with how close aid stations are. I don't, I think the furthest is probably what seven Seven. miles. Yeah. They're, they're always close. Yeah. And most of them are more (laughs) like get something in between but, but since i have so much food on me i don't really stop all doesn't them care. i just keep going yeah <laughs> i'm going well, slow so. well uh, you know the, i think the good thing about bigfoot is that um each aid station is kind of like a restaurant <laughs> you know they have so much there not, and again not mm-hmm. to say i'm going to rely on them but it's good to know that i can refuel not only my fluids but i can get some wholesome foods i just need to carry what i need you know for in between those aid stations right. calories wise so um, cause I, you know, it, it looks like about, I think about 19 miles is like maybe the longest section we go, um, between aid stations. Uh, cause there are a lot more remote, you know, port parts of the, of this course. Um, but, you know, looking at that stuff ahead of time, um, it, it, <laughs> it can make a difference in, in especially estimating time on feet. Um, and, you know, yeah. that changes obviously. So, um, you know, be prepared, you know, and have your crew, if you have a crew, be prepared for those changes to, to happen, just, you know, how, how quickly you're moving or <laughs> how slowly you're moving. So, um, I think that, I think that's a strong point though, that I hope that people are listening is picking up from what you're saying, because <clears throat> I think if, 
when you're planning your nutrition for them for your race, you typically will look at what your aid stations are and what you think you'll need from the, at this aid station and what you'll need at the next aid station. Like I have bags that are outlining what I'm going to pick up at each time I'm going to see, you know, my crew, but what I have not done and what you're saying is a really good nugget here is that when they, if they are tracking how long it's taking from one aid station to the next or one crew spot to the next, you can then begin to modify based off telling them I need X number of calories per hour uh, and kind of go ahead and, and begin to tweak what you're having. Um, because oftentimes we'll show up at that aid station or that, that pit stop. Right. And we're looking at the big supplies that we brought and we're thinking, I don't feel like eating these anymore. I'm going to have this instead, but we're not keeping up necessarily with, I need to have this X number count necessarily between now and the next MIC because now my pace is slowed down at this point. So I think it's a really good point to bring up. Yeah. And the, you know, the food that you have, you know, Jeff, like you were saying, you have a big bag, like I, I basically have um, a tubware of like, you know, all of my, my fuel sources. Um, I use liquid calories as well, but you know, if I, I have, you know, certain things that I, I stuff in my pack for, you know, calories, whether it be chews or gels or, you know, whatever baby food, whatever it is, um, you know, certain things work at certain points in the race. So they have that box and I, I say, okay, you know, this flavor of that's working and that's working. No, don't put any more of that in right now, <laughs> you know, um, and that may change again. Uh, but you know, it's, it's having readily available sources. I always tell, you know, my runners have your A, B and C choices, right? Like, so if A is not working, you've got B and if B is not working, you got C and then you can go back to A. Um, so, you know, and, and have the different varieties of, of, uh, you know, sweet, salty and savory, you know, have those available as well with various options so that, you know, cause your body's probably telling you something, you know, if it's like craving something salty, it's telling you it needs more, more sodium. You know, if you need something sweet, it's telling you it needs more sugar. So listening to your body in that regard is great as well. And having those options. And, you know, again, if the, if the aid station has something that looks good to you, always good to have like a, a, a plastic bag, like a, a sandwich bag, um, you know, that you can grab stuff from the aid station, especially if there's something that's been working for you. Um, raid light. I was on the raid light site. I've been really into raid light for some reason recently. And um, they've got this really cool, like we've got the, the race cups, you know, like the, um, the silicone cups mm -hmm. um, that we use, you know, for a couple of races, they've got one that's, it's a, a collapsible, but you can put hot stuff in it. I don't know if you guys <laughs> had the experience of trying to get a soup in those stupid, you know, <laughs> silicone cups, but it's just like, ah, they don't work. No, no, <laughs> they do not work. But yeah, the um, raid light came out with like this, this nice little collapsible cup. I don't know if you've seen those like collapsible dog bowls that like, you know, fold yeah, down. Yeah. same type of thing here, but it's just a, you know, a cup style. Um, but it works really well, easy to get in the pack. They even have like a little bag you can put it in, clip it to your pack if you want. Um, but, uh, you know, one of those little things that I found that I was like, this is great, you know, because now I don't have to worry about that, you know, the, 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 you know, the sil or silicone cup and I can just use this thing for, you know, any type of fluids. Um, but anyway, I digress. Sorry. No, I like it. <laughs> that's good. That's cool. No, it's good. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yes. So, um, my point being, you know, just be prepared for yourself. You know, don't, don't always rely on, on the race because mm -hmm. you never know, especially like, uh, you know, I've come, I've gone to a race where like they had it, it was an out and back. They had it on the way out. And then on the way back, I was just like, I can't wait. You know, was, I think it was a uh, big horn. There was like potatoes and bacon. And I was just like, yes, I'm going to get some potatoes and bacon. I got back and they're like, we're all out. I was like, ah. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I, I got a sad dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We got buddy. <laughs> You're okay. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Miles is making a guest appearance here. It's okay. It's all good. All right. So, um, Jeremy, do you want to touch on your, your third one, your third point? Sure. Yeah. And my third one's quick. Um, and I don't know how much it applies, but essentially, uh, the, the note that I made was going back out too fast after cooling down. And for me, it was at a backyard ultra. And so you've got kind of the, um, cycle of, you do a lap, you come back, you rest. Um, and it was in the first one, it was cold out. And so, you know, at the time I was targeting 10 to 12 minutes of rest, decided that, um, it had just stopped raining. So I decided I was going to do a faster loop. So I would have time to change and rest and everything. And, uh, bottom line is after sitting there and letting my body get cold in, you know, 40 degree weather, then I, left and opted to run a faster and I ended up pulling the leg muscle and, uh, you know, the, the rest of the race was essentially torture. Um, so I don't know if that's going to apply to every race, but you know, I think the big thing that I took from that, obviously it changed the way I look at any of the backyard mm -hmm. stuff. Um, mm -hmm. but even just, if I do go in, if I have to sit somewhere, um, especially if the temperature is cold, but what am I doing to keep the muscles warm? And then if I just would have gone on a bit slower or walked a little bit more in the beginning, something to kind of warm back up before I'm, you know, putting that kind of uh, pressure on the body. Now that said, when you're at mile 80 and you try to leave anyways, you're probably not moving that quick, you know, but, uh, and everything hurts already, but it was a good lesson for me to learn. Um, and I sure wish I would have thought about it ahead of time before that happened. That's a but, great point. Absolutely. Yeah. And just having, you know, the gear, you know, that, that was one of mine is just having the gear, um, you know, packed and, and there and available, you know, for, for when it does, if, if it does turn cold, um, you know, my, my example was again at Bighorn, you know, traveling to a race, I, I, um, I brought gear, but then all the time, sudden the temperatures were predicted to be much lower than, you know, what I had packed for. And so I like, you know, I, I ended up not having the right shoes because it sleeted and then just totally changed the course. So the, what was it? A nice dusty, soft dirt turned into a mud haven, um, which I, I didn't have the footwear to get through, um, nor did I have enough socks to, to, you know, to replenish me through the race. Um, and then I, I didn't have the, the warm layers, you know, so I was throwing on everything I had, you know, in, in my bag just to try to get through the night because it poured through the night. I mean, it was, you know, 30 something degrees and just pouring the, the whole night. I mean, I got to a point, I think it was like 2 a.m. And I was just looking for a rock. <laughs> I was just like, please just let there be a rock I can crawl under and just get out of this rain. It was it was so you know unbearable. So just having the gear, you know, that was one of mine that I, I was going to talk about too. Is just make sure when you're packing for these, pack for any eventuality. You know, it's a, like UTMB does a great job, like because they're like you have three different kits. You have your winter kit, you have your rain kit, and you have your sun kit. 
And that's, that's great because then you pack for every eventuality, you know, they tell you, here's what we want you to have, uh, which is, you know, that's, that's, and you know, if you're thinking about like, what eventuality could there be? And if, if the cold weather is a possibility, look at that UTMB kit because it like, you know, you will be warm no matter what the situation is. Um, but you know, like I really, I, I failed myself. I, I finished, thank God, but it, you know, it, it really, I, I suffered much more than I should have. <laughs> and that was my own fault. <laughs> that was my own fault. Uh, anything- we, we, we've been there with the mud, been there with mud, been there with cold. Yeah. All that's, of it. That's actually what made me buy my first pair of trail shoes was, was, uh, Halloween hobble, the, a regular course turning into a mud pit. And all I had was ultra Escalantes and I slid <laughs> all over the place. That was yeah. awful. Yeah. Uh, it is, As, you know, when you don't have <clears> the right gear, it's just, uh, yeah, that's, that's for sure. Um, Jeff, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, I mean, and I'll just, since we're on the weather one and being cold, um, I'll just stick with that same topic too, then okay. just to not derail and go back to nutrition or anything fun. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I think what you were saying about, you know, making sure you have the right gear is important. Um, I tweaked that a little bit for myself. And <clears throat> what I have learned is that you kind of have to know what your body is and needs in, in those situations and how your body responds. And so I have this thing that is called Raynaud's, um, which basically means that my body doesn't deal well when it goes through temperature changes that are drastic. Um, and I learned a, a lot about myself over the years through that. Um, I've had a bad experience in a race where it knocked me out of the race um, completely. But, <clears throat> you know, mine expresses it in the way that my, basically for those that are, don't know what Raynaud's is, I guess I should say, is when your core temperature starts to drop too much, um, it begins to pull all the blood from your extremities, like your, your fingers and your toes. And what will happen is your fingertips on maybe your fingertips will first turn white. Right. And a lot of people will get cold and you're like, Oh, my fingers are turning white. But when I say that it's like only half of one finger will turn white and all the other ones will still have a little bit of paint to them, but one finger will look like cadaver dead, um, just solid white paper um, or your toes. will do that. One or two of your toes will, will do that as well. And it's because, circulation is, is pulling all the blood from your, your extremities to your core because your core has gotten so cold. And um, mine will flare up even and sometimes if we go from a you know 75 degree day to a 50 degree day, it will flare because the temperature direct change is so drastic. And so in an ultra, um, oftentimes the temperature will vary a lot from the start through the middle of the day to the night. And the night is where the temperature tends to like knock a lot of people. And so um, <clears throat> what I have learned, like I said, about my own body, when it comes to this is I have to keep my core warm, no matter what. So my fingers, and most people are going to go out there and run and they're going to wear gloves and their hands are going to get cold inside their gloves and they're going to have hand warmers and things. And they're thinking to themselves, well, if I can just keep my hands warm, I'll, I'll be a little more comfortable. I don't want to sweat too bad along the way, but the opposite is kind of true. If you can keep your core warm, then it doesn't cause your body to pull the blood out of your fingers that makes your fingers cold. If you keep your core warm, then the blood is more is more optimized to kind of go back out and to actually warm your fingers on its own like it's supposed to. And so my number one thing that I do is basically, you know, um, chin to, to pelvis, I'm going to keep that section warm. I'm going to wear probably a little too many layers than I need to, but if I can do that, then I can wear shorts and I can wear, you know, I don't have to always have hand warmers or whatever, even if it's, you know, 40 degrees, I'll, I used to wear hand warmers for that. And most people are like, that's not cold. But for me, it was real cold. Um, so once I learned that if I can, if I can stabilize my core, regardless of what the external temperatures are, 
then my hands and feet will catch up. I won't ache, which is what happens when the blood comes out or goes back to them either way. Um, so the pain will kind of go away from that as well. And so, um, so it's a lesson I learned about knowing my body and how my body responds to cold and then really what's going on the entire body as well um, and how to deal with it. Absolutely. Yes. And, and most people have heard me tell the story, but um, you know, check in a, especially in a long ultra, check your feet. Um, you know, especially if it's super cold, if they got wet, you know, um, my Hellgate experience in 2016, you know, it's, it's such a cold start midnight start, you know, and, and it was, I think we were facing single digits. Um, and you have a, a Creek crossing that you can't, you can't not get wet. Um, you know, and, and when I got up, I think at mile, I think it was mile nine, maybe you see your crew for the first time I had planned to change my socks. And this is where you need to really put somebody in charge and say, make sure I change my socks. I didn't change my socks and I kept going and my feet were just ice box and I never changed my socks. The, the duration of the race, mm-hmm. when I took off my socks at the finish, I had six toes with frostbite. I thought oh, it was yeah. just the dye from my socks. I was wearing Navy blue socks, but my toes were Navy blue. And I was just like, you know, I've never had them get dyed from my socks. And then I you jumped into the shower and realized what had happened. You know, mm-hmm. and I, it's, I, it, it could have been, again, could have been averted had I paid attention, had I, you know, changed my, uh, changed my socks, but you know, I was in that race mentality. And again, that's where you need the crew to be like, Hey, Aaron, remember you said you want to change your socks here. And that like, they all felt horrible. They're like, Oh my God, I totally forgot, you know? And, but you know, it's hard when it's, you know, it's almost 2 AM in the morning and, and you've been mm-hmm. up forever and, and you're in that race moment, but these are crucial things to, to take care of yourself. I mean, that could have been massively, you know, horrible. I could have lost the toe or two. Thankfully, you know, I, I didn't, but um, yeah, it's, it's these things that with the cold, these are things you got to think about, you know, mm-hmm. and be cautious of. So take care of yourself, look at your, you know, your extremities, your digits, that includes uh, fingers and toes, you know, face everything, you know, when it gets to those kind of temperatures, just be cognizant of it, you know, make sure that nothing's getting too much exposure or getting to that point. One thing too, and, and I was going to ask you, I don't know if how much calories impact, you know, with the Raynaud's, um, but I, the, the race that he was talking about in 2018 Umstead, mm-hmm. it snowed in Raleigh, you know, it was like the worst conditions they've ever had, but it was 65 the day before, which was the problem. 65 the day before, <laughs> I think it was high fifties when we started, it mm-hmm. rained all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I was running in, in shorts and a t-shirt, um, and I was lucky enough as my, it was both of our first hundred and I was lucky enough, uh, to be in a, a tight knit group and, um, was running with the girl who she ended up winning female. But I remember her saying early on, make sure you guys are taking in a ton of calories, like do not get behind on your calories because it was predicted to drop from the high fifties down to the low thirties within a matter of a couple hours. And it did. And she said, anybody that's behind on their calories is going to go hypothermic. They're just not going to be able to keep up with the demand of the body. And sure enough, I mean, I think it was a 40 something percent um, finish rate, which is pretty low. Yeah. Pretty low for Umstead as far as their finish rate. So a high dropout rate. And that's exactly what happened. And once that, once it got down to people were behind, I mean, they went hypothermic and they just either couldn't get back out or got pulled. Um, so I think that's another good note. Well, I think so, it played to it. I definitely I agree with you. Yeah, I think that can play into it as well. 
So yeah, for everybody listening on top of keeping track on mm-hmm. top of keeping your core warm, I mean, obviously part of keeping your core warm is going to have the calories mm-hmm. to burn to generate that heat. So, uh, when the temperature swings like that, just make sure, you know, getting it in. Agree. That's great. No, perfect. Well, we've, we really went through a lot of things here and we, we had some <laughs> more that we could talk about, but I, I want to be uh, conscious of your time as well. Um, you guys have been tremendous. Uh, I certainly appreciate you guys and, and coming on here and, and sharing all this with us. Um, and uh, if they want to, you know, find the, uh, the podcast, is it on all listening platforms? It is. Yeah. So anywhere you can go find the ultra running guys. And, uh, you know, we, like I said, we stumbled upon the name, but if you, if you go on a Spotify and put in ultra running, you know, with the space ultra running podcast will probably come up. Um, but anywhere you find it, you can download it there. The website is the ultra running guys.com. Um, and on Instagram, we are the ultra running guys. We have a couple underscores in there. We should do we? Don't we? I don't know. No, I have on mine. No, it's just the ultra running guys. guys. So I'll put that in there. Yeah, it's the ultra running guys. Um, but yeah, we're on every podcast um, platform. Yep. Cool. And if you if you go look and you can't find us, shoot us a note because we'll make sure we get it put out there. I think it's good our website and see everything we do. Right. That's right. We have a website as well too. You can check out. Yep. And that's where you'll find find the races. So great. Yeah. We we really appreciate you bringing us on. It's been a lot of fun. It has. Yeah, it's been great getting to know you guys even better. So awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Once again, I'd like to thank my my guests here, Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester, the Ultra Running guys. Uh, what a what a fun conversation! I hope you took away some some new uh, ideas and uh, principles. You know, just some some new strategies um, for for not making the mistakes that we have, or if you've made those, maybe some new ideas of how you can counteract those. So, thank you guys very much. Um, as for, you know, in the world of MR running pains, uh, life is, uh, busy right now. My goodness, lots going on. Um, I just released my February, uh, newsletter, uh, February 1st. And, uh, if you have not subscribed, you can do so by going onto my website, mrrunningpains.com and subscribing. It is a free monthly newsletter in which I write articles, reviews, leave tips, uh, you know, just all sorts of stuff that I try to pack the newsletter with. Uh, this month I, uh, I was inspired by my last week's guest, Zach Friedley, and, uh, you know, talk about adaptive athletes and how we can be a more cl- inclusive, not only to adaptive athletes, but, uh, those with, uh, visual impairments. So, um, you know, that's, that's one of my articles. Another is about uh, base aerobic training. You know, here we are kind of coming out of the, uh, we'll say we're in the late winter. And, uh, you know, it's a good time to be working on your aerobic base. So I've got an article in there about uh, what that should look like. Uh, and then uh, my last article in there um, is about uh, preparation and how to be holistically prepared. For an event, you know, with my preparations coming along for Bigfoot 200, uh, talk about the, you know, the four different uh, kind of principles that I believe we have to be prepared on. You know, we have to be prepared um, in uh, uh, in our gear, what choices we make for gear, of course. We have to be prepared physically. And that includes our training, of course. I have to be prepared mentally, and I also believe we have to be prepared spiritually. Um, and you know, the 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 difference there um, between mind, you know, that's the the strategies that we use to uh, to get through um, through an ultra or through a race, and um, 
and spiritually, I believe that's being mindful and and remaining in the moment and and acknowledging uh, you know negative thoughts and and pushing them aside and knowing how to do that. So, um, got an article in there about that. Uh, do some gear reviews. Um, you know, I talk about um, the new Altra Lone Peak Six that's out. Uh, really enjoy that shoe. Uh, just ran in it actually just a little bit ago. Um, really, you know, they, I thought the five was great and the six, you know, just uh, just another great iteration of that that shoe. So, talk about that shoe in there. Um, I, I got some um, J Lab, um, you know, uh, earphones, wireless Bluetooth uh, earphones for Christmas. I talk about those in there. So all sorts of stuff that I've included in there. Um, you know, some uh, some new nutrition that I tried, Velo Forte. So lots of things that are in the newsletter. So check that out. And uh, and again, please subscribe. Um, and uh, so there we go. Um, YouTube, I haven't been as active just because I've been so busy with uh, a lot of things. <laughs> um, not only creating the newsletter and doing this podcast, uh, you know, preparing for Hellbender, um, you know, running myself, but taking care of my kids. Um, you know, there's just a lot going on right now. And, uh, you know, just trying to make time and uh, do everything, you know, to the best of my capacity um, and not, you know, kind of half-ass anything, excuse the expression, but um, I want to make sure that I'm putting my full attention into everything I'm doing and, and being there for my family. So um, uh, the YouTubes, I, I did make a video today on my run. So um, be, you know, trying to get back to those. Um, but sometimes something has to give, <laughs> um, and uh, you know that was uh, that was one thing that I just kind of put on the back burner for a little bit, but hope to kind of get back to it. I enjoy doing it because again, it helps me process things mentally. But uh, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, you know, as soon as I can get back on the trails, trails here still are kind of an icy, snowy, muddy mess, so um, I don't want to do any further damage to the trail. So I've been staying away from them. But as soon as I get back to the trail, I've got some some new trail shoes that I've been working on. Like I said, the Lone Peak Six. Um, I've also been running in the Raid Light Ultra 2, uh, which I really am enjoying, um, but I haven't been able to take it really onto the single track or give it much of a test. So, um, you know, I've got a lot of gear reviews that I want to get out there. So a lot of videos to come. So subscribe over at my channel, Aaron Saft. Uh, everything's in the show notes, so you can, you know, kind of click through in there. So far as training goes, training has been going extremely well. Uh, I've been really pleased with how training is going. Um, and uh, just to kind of update you, I've had to take training on myself. Um, and, uh, you know, as much as I love Patrick Regan and, and, and working with Patrick as a coach, I, um, I have to do a project for my, um, my certification for the Lydiard Foundation for my level three certification. So I've taken on training on my own. Um, and I'm really, really feeling good about it. Um, volume is increasing steadily. My energy levels are remaining high. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm recovering well. Um, last week, uh, whew, I think it just in running alone, I think. I got, um, I don't know, somewhere around 13 hours worth of running, which was uh, the equivalent of about 87 miles. Uh, my long run was three and a half hours. I got in just over 19 miles and um, 6,000 feet of gain. And again, I haven't been on the trails. That was just on a uh, really hilly neighborhood. That's uh, a gated community nearby. Um, so training's going quite well. Um, I'm quite excited. I've got a 50K that I'm, I'm going to do um, coming up, just a, a run. I'm going to do um, out and back on shut-in with uh, summiting Pisgah. So it's a, you know, it's probably probably 35 miles, uh, somewhere between eight to 9,000 feet of gain. So I'm um, looking forward to that run and, uh, and working through some gear and just seeing how things go because um, I've got SCAR coming up. 
uh, Scar's coming up in March. I'm going to run Scar, uh, the uh, Appalachian Trail, uh, through the Smokies. So pretty excited about that as well. So lots of running, you know, lots of things coming up. I'll be updating you guys as the podcast goes along. I'll also be updating my YouTube channel, as I said, with my videos. So you can kind of follow along there and hear about what I'm doing. You can also follow along on Strava, uh, see my actual training. I try to leave notes in there, you know, and if you've got questions, by all means, ask on any of these platforms, you know, leave a note on Strava, ask a question on Strava. Uh, same thing on YouTube. You know, if you see a video and, and have a question, just leave a, you know, leave a question there um you can also just message me like me you know any way of communicating with me through social media my my uh email any of that um i'm happy to to answer questions um you know coaching oh my goodness um it is so busy right now um and you know everybody's got something coming up which is really cool um so many races that are coming up um some great hundred milers uh of course i'm looking forward to hellbender uh i can't wait to to you know be there and and uh and start that race and and have folks um you know doing their thing once again so um really cool just really cool time of year track starting back up uh the miller rose games were last weekend um if if you follow uh track and field uh that's just one meet that i love every year and this year did not disappoint uh kind of talk about it on my youtube video uh today which uh, is february 2nd that i'm recording this so um you know just man uh you know it's a good time to to be into running because there is a lot going on uh so many great podcasts out there right now i've just been kind of you know listening here and there to to podcasts um you know i I subscribe to the ultra running guys uh you know kind of want a fresh breath of air and and hear some some new folks because i get just get tired you know a lot of the the bigger podcasts they just have the same guests on time in time out you know it's it's this elite and this elite i like hearing from different stories and and you know people that have have really you know they've had a struggle and they have a they have a life uh not that you know uh, i don't mean to say that elites don't have a life but it's just it's you know again it just feels like we hear the same old guests over and over again and so i kind of tire of uh of that you know so I, it's great to to hear podcasts when you know they're bringing on folks that we may not ever hear their stories so i'm really enjoying that um so anyway um obviously a lot going on uh you know you can always keep up with me on social media um uh, as well as you know through god everything else that i'm doing um so i appreciate everybody i appreciate your support uh god my my patreon people thank you so much for helping me uh you know do all this uh, it's tremendous support that i feel it uh, you guys are, are wonderful i've been getting so many great emails and messages um you know of of things that uh, you're working on and doing uh, uh, so, you know, it doesn't have to be questions. I, you know, just want to hear from you and what you're up to. That's so cool um, because that, it's it's all motivating and inspiring to me too. You know, that like I put my voice out there, but I, I'm really excited to hear your voice. So if you ever want to come on the podcast and talk about something, let me know. Or if you'd like to hear about a topic, you know, sometimes I, I find topics and folks just because people are like, hey, how about this guest? Uh, really excited about uh, my recording with uh, Travis Macy. That will be coming up. Um, I believe we're recording on February 14th, Valentine's Day. So I can't wait to talk to Travis Macy. He is the author of The Ultra Mindset. You may have seen him on the Echo Challenge, uh, Eco Challenge with his father. Um, so, uh, that's going to be really cool. Uh, I'm hoping his father can join the conversation as well. Uh, whichever way we go with it, I'm just excited. Uh, Travis is, uh, one of those people that I really admire. And, uh, so I can't wait for that. 
Um, uh, and hopefully I'll have another episode coming up here with, uh, Miriam Saloom, my physical therapist and, uh, you know, multi-time guest. Uh, she is moving offices, which I'm helping her, uh, do this weekend. So I, I didn't want to bother her with yet another thing, but uh, I'd like to have her on again soon. But, um, you know, we've got a lot coming up. So thank you guys so much. And, uh, I will talk to you next time until then keep running my friends.